0: Hey there, NFT curious listeners. This is Ethan Janney from the Edge of Company and the Edge of NFT podcast. We're here with you in Davos, Switzerland today, coming to you from the world economic forum convention that happens here every year. We're gonna bring you some of the sharpest minds and global leaders telling you what they think about what's next and how they're making it happen. In today's episode, we're gonna transition from one interview to the next with a sound effect briefly in between to just give you that feeling that you're here with us transitioning from one engaging conversation to the other. So stay tuned, sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: all right good afternoon crypto house of davos hey everybody thank you for joining us in the beautiful swiss sunshine for another edition of the crypto house sessions we are so excited to welcome the Wonkly team to the stage so if we could please have our first few speakers join us up here when you have a moment and we are also graced with the presence of the Edge of NFT co-founders, the hosts of NFT LA, some of the biggest people in the NFT business in the world. So we're really excited to be having this next panel where we're going to be talking about some of the work that Wonkly is doing, the importance of NFTs globally, where some of this technology is actually going, and uh, we have a few exciting announcements for the panel as well. So, Please welcome to the stage, Josh Krieger.
2: Woo! Yeah. Hello, everyone, how great is this, huh? Like uh, thought leadership and a bear garden? Come on, this is amazing. Really honored to be here. As Brittany mentioned, you know, have the opportunity to start the Edge of NFT podcast with Ethan Janney, who's over there, and Jeff Kelly, who couldn't make it today. And, you know, we've had a chance to interview over 140 leaders in the space and It's been a learning adventure for us and we've seen the space evolve so much in the last year. I think for this panel, we're gonna learn about where that evolution is going and some of the innovation these guys are doing is is quite special. So let's welcome to the stage, the two co-founders, Fahad and Daniel, come on up. And we have a third guest as well, Adam. Alright guys, so you know, I had a chance to dig into your project a little bit and you guys have thought about a lot of things and trying to solve a lot of the problems we've seen in the space as it evolved. Let's start from the very beginning maybe with your origin story and uh, that got us here today.
3: Thank you, Josh. Thank you, everyone. So, we just started several years ago in blockchain. Uh, first of all, we opened a challenger bank that now is going to be a crypto bank, regulated in Europe, also being uh, starting with the regulation in the UAE. And after that, we did everything that was possible in DeFi. So we opened at DeFi, several AMMs, etc. And we were just playing with that, how that was working. And finally, we end with NFTs. So on the NFT space, at the beginning I became like a heavy user, buying every collection, going into every whitelist possible. And I learned a, a lot about that and what were all the failures, the bugs, the mistakes that the other platforms have. So for that we developed OneClick. It's a decentralized meta-social network in which we don't know any data but it's like a marketplace with asteroids mixed with a decentralized social network. So, really good.
2: Yeah, that's really great. When um, people come to me with ideas and haven't actually gone down the rabbit hole, I immediately say, you gotta get in there, right? And play with this stuff and be a power user. And we just interviewed Eric Calderon, the co-founder of Artblocks, and he admitted on our show that he actually delayed launching his project for three months because he was too busy having fun with Top shots And I think that's good in this industry because you have to sort of get into the, the deep, dark rabbit hole and, and, and learn. Um, and, and how did you get involved? Uh, anything uh, in particular uh, that brought you to the, uh, be inspired by this project?
4: Well, um, as, as uh, the founder, Daniel, mentioned, it is... It is uh, a platform that gives a very huge competitive edge to NFT users uh, and bringing it more into the mainstream of usability for the users. And I think that's the most important part for us when we decided to collaborate and invest with Daniel is that the aspiration of this project is, is bringing NFTs more to the mainstream rather to a niche people of users. Great. Well, we're
2: going to talk about that quite a lot today. in, in if you have some burning questions in the audience, we will open it up to questions at the end. So please feel free to conjure up your, your difficult or you know, important questions you want to ask this uh, illustrious panel. But first, we're at a, you know an economics event. And these guys have gotten really creative with the economics of their platform. And I'm really curious to know a little bit more about the model and how it was created the way it was and, and why.
3: And I was hoping you'd talk to us a little bit about that. So, first of all, Josh, if you allow me, I want to present Adam Lajache, too, who has been here a lot of time with us. He's a co-founder. He is the chief investment officer of, you will say it better than me, one of the sheikhs of Abu Dhabi. Uh, Before that, one of the sheikhs of Qatar. And he has a great history and a great reputation in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, etc. Well, let's say for a second, what drew you to this venture?
5: So, for me, I was on a delegation in, in Spain, in Madrid, where um, the Dubai government was out there looking at companies and opportunities. And His Excellency Ahmed bin Salem and uh, a gentleman called James Bernard introduced me to Daniel. And um, we've been looking at blockchain and digital asset projects in AD investment in Abu Dhabi with Fahad uh, for a long time, but we never really found a project that we really trusted or one that really went out of its way to really make sure that it wasn't just about a hype or making a quick buck but there was some longevity to it there was some sort of sustainable model but when I met Daniel I immediately clicked with him and and all the projects that he goes into he goes way out of his way to make sure it's close to the regulation and policy comfort zones which for me and Fahad are really important because we look at institutional level investments we look at projects that are not going to just be localized, they're global. Uh, Scalability is really important. And for us, working with government is a niche at AD Investment. So that was really the the pinpoint for me. And um, it started off as a very simple decentralized network for social NFT kind of users. But then, Daniel, when you talked about a rabbit hole, it was really difficult for me and Fahad and the partners because he really went AWOL for like two months, three months, and he went into his zone and came out with an art piece of a platform that really looked at every single thing that w- no one was really doing or they were doing really badly so that was really the point for me where I, I i so we invested we were full partners with daniel and any other project he ever goes into for the rest of his life so that's me amazing and i gotta say
2: it is inspiring when you make those big nft flips and it's a lot of fun and, and we shouldn't disregard that part of the industry but then when they go down it hurts but you also learn from that process and I think that's that's part of the accelerated growth in the industry that we've all experienced with the highs and lows this past year and you definitely develop some thick skin in, in the process but let's talk a little bit about the economic model that you've built based on what you've learned from that experience of going down the rabbit hole you know it's very different than some of the other major platforms when you look at OpenSea and looks rare and some of the newer ones that have come up, and I'm curious why that is and and what some of the inspiration is behind how you
3: built it. Thank you. Now is the moment. So, yeah, we look at OpenSea. OpenSea doesn't have a token, right? It's all uh, shares. On the company, $13.3 billion valuation in three, four years. It's fucking amazing. Then we have uh, LuxRare in which uh, you can trade and with the trading of the NFTs you win the Lux token. You have Variable, um, in which the token is for governance. In our protocol what we did is first of all if you hold our token you can stake it and the 40% of all the fees in the platform that are 2% if it's a cryptocurrency and 1% if it's our token won't clip over. Whoop. So the 40% of that we give back to the users that stake our token. This is the first thing. And then a percentage of the remaining uh, profit that we win, we use it to buy NFTs from people in our platform and build our gallery. So then people can buy it, k- we can do auctions with it, whatever. But that increase a lot to the users to create new collections and do new things. Another percentage of that, we use it to pay influencers to come with us, to do NFTs with us, and collection with us. Then we open also one-click collections, which is a 360 degrees agency to do collections. So we go with these big hotels, etc., brands, influencers, and we do everything from the concept to the launch, marketing, wherever. So it's going really, really well, and we are doing a lot of collections, high-end collections that will be launched in the next months so this is how it's working right now the the model
4: and one of the things that i think is really very important is that we give also a chance for our community to give back so we have also options in the platform that when you trade these nfts you allocate that for a social cause you're allocating that for a social impact perspective And I think that's very important in this world, that we always give the opportunity to ourselves and to our community to always give back from a charitable perspective, whatever winnings or revenues they're generating through the platform.
2: Correct me if I'm mistaken, but one of the other interesting things about the token model that I read is that some of the the fees for trading go back into a fund where you buy some of the top collections on your platform that's really original as a way to reward the creators that have sort of chosen to bet on your platform to
3: support them back. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. It's like 15% of all the profit generated go to buy back the best collections, the best NFTs. So it's good because imagine you have a ranking in which every week the top five NFTs of the top five collection, we bought them. That will create that the people will try to buy them before us. So generate like a cycle.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, we're talking about a creator economy, and we're talking about Web3. And I'd like to know more about some of the advanced features you've created for creators to inspire them to work with you and your platform and to make the most value for
3: themselves as artists in this space. This is going to be long. so first of all as i said before i'm not heavy users of, of nft i have been a scam i had been on the wrong discord i have been on the wrong white list i connect one time my wallet to a minting page and i would rob again so I'll, yeah a, a lot of things happened to me so what i did is to write every fucking problem that was happening to me for three months in a row and then we built all so for example one of the things is, there is a lot, but it's too difficult to create collections in OpenSea, high-end collections. You need to hire developers, etc. So first of all, what we did is to do all the process inside the platform. So first of all, you go into the platform. Second, we built the Wonkly generator, so you can upload the ledgers of the NFT collection, and you can generate all the rarities there, inside Wonkly then you click on publish and all goes to ipfs interplanetary file system so you don't need to do nothing you can set your pre reveal image you can set your whitelist date the whitelist is inside wonkly the minting page is done inside wonkly so you don't need to go to another minting page to mint the nft you will see all the minting pages inside wonkly with our technology and finally you can create a high-end collection in one hour With right now, with the other platforms, you need to uh, spend a lot of time. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Nice to see you, man. He's big. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is for collection creators. We also have been working a lot in the process of creating a collection. It's not the same create a monkey collection of art collection that a music record or a podcast or a movie or... NFTs from a game, characters, spaceships, or wherever you need to create. So we have differentiated the kind of users. So you have, when you register, you can register as an influencer, as a user, as a company or a brand, as a game, as a metaverse. When you create a music record, the process for create is everything create for you. So you can upload the cover, everything for podcasts, etc. And then for the users, we create the same experience. All the whitelisting is inside, you only can go into verified collections, you mint inside, so there is no more scam into the NFT space.
4: I believe journey is the most differentiating factor that we bring at uh, our platform. We capture the journey from the moment you have an idea of creating a collection, and we've run with you on that journey to make sure that it's as user-friendly as possible from jumping into three four platforms between Discords, minting pages, and social media, and have it all in one platform that enables you to do that. And I think that's the future, and that's how we should be interacting with platforms rather than working with five, four platforms at the same time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When I hear about how you guys built this, I think about some of my background in just traditional startup building, lean startup, customer discovery, really thinking of all those pain points and how to solve them, it's a very thoughtful solution. I think you had some other thoughts, sir?
5: What I wanted to say was, earlier I talked about scalability. And right now, when I look at the NFT space, or when I look at the space in general, the guys that can really make the most out of it is the ones that understand the technologies, they understand what's happening, they know what to do. With Wonkly, the most beautiful part for me was, it's now available to the ordinary person. So for example, one of the things that Daniel didn't mention is you can now log into Wonkly with just your social media platform that you own currently. Your Instagram account, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, whatever it may be. And when you go on to make an NFT, I could be a small entrepreneur or an SME that wants to have a collection that thinks it's going to be impactful and has some utility. I can literally make it without even needing to code. I don't need to understand development language. I don't I can just be the ordinary Joe and make an NFT feel safe. And there are security elements added to the platform as well. So I know that my NFT won't be stolen. I know that my transactions are looked after correctly. So it's the ordinary Joe factor that makes a lot for me anyway, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great
2: bridge to another area I wanted to to dive into, which is I think every venture I've talked to in the space that we've had on the show, is thinking bigger than their own project in terms of how do we create mainstream adoption for Web3, especially when we have challenges like what's happened with the Terra Luna system and all the hacks and all that stuff. It really begs the question around what's the pathway here? What's the journey to mainstream adoption and what's missing? Um, one area of that is that is the use of the metaverse. A lot of these metaverses are dormant there might be one or two projects in Decentraland that makes up 90% of the traffic, right? So this is really a two-part question. The first part, which is when it comes to sort of the integration of, of what you're doing with the metaverse, what are your thoughts on getting to that real mainstream adoption? And then I'll ask the second part.
3: So right now, NFTs are being used by a bunch of freaks like us. So this is the reality. is is difficult to use. It's not as difficult, but normal people that doesn't has been involved in crypto, doesn't really know how to create a wallet, MetaMask, Trust Wallet, Safe Wallet, etc. So we have the first challenge. When an influencer say, "Okay, buy my collection in this platform," how there the users will go there to buy without going into a centralized platform because in a centralized CCC but how to do it web 3 the centralized way so finally there are incredible solutions one comes from LA It's magic i don't know if you know magic but you can really go into web 3 and generate a non custodial wallet by just connecting your instagram your twitter account your discord account your facebook account your mobile number so this is the first of the beginning of the huge growth of the mass adoption then we have another thing that is the regulatory part is your is your second thing and regulatory part at fahad can say better than me it's going to be a huge part in the mass adoption we need to make the users comfortable in order to start investing users institutions etc so Fahad?
4: thank you daniel And um, thank you for um, elaborating on the tools that we have in our platform. Regulatory is is hard in what we develop from products and platforms. And I think that's the future. And that's what really gives us a very distinctive edge. We meet with the regulators on a very frequent basis in the United Arab Emirates, where we are looking at different regulations that we're going to adopt metaverse, NFTs, play to earn into mainstream and we're keeping close that whenever these regulations are out, we as an organization or an institution are complying with these regulatory frameworks. Now, this is very important because our users will need to bank their winnings and they will not be able to do that without a proper regulatory framework that we comply with and for us to do so, we are keeping that relationship with the regulators in our jurisdiction. And we're doing that, not only, not only that with the United Arab Emirates, we're doing that with specific regulators within the Emirates itself. We're doing that with global regulators as well. We're working in Spain and UK and other parts of Europe where we, we provide all the ring-fencing required for us to operate in
5: a very legitimate matter. Thank you. Do you have any additional thoughts, sir? I think when, when we talk about our comfort when it comes to regulation, which is obviously a topic that not many people like, not many people are, especially in a decentralized world, you're trying to stay away as much as you can from some sort of control system or mechanism. But I think the UAE and the region in general has been agile in doing so in the comfort of global operations. And it believes in this vertical, this vertical of blockchain, digital assets. It believes in it very, very strongly. Just recently, in the last week, you saw Emirates Airline announce that they are going to accept Bitcoin as payments. You know, for for a world-leading airline to do so is insane. You would have assumed other countries or other governments allowing such transactions to happen quicker than a country that's 50 years old. And saying so, the regulators are putting comfort in the families. I'll be talking later on, on families, but, you know, it's only now reaching second, third generation of family wealth management in the UAE since it's only 50 years old. So right now, the younger generation thinks relatively differently. And it's leaning on government to make sure that they're protecting them, and protecting those capital and and investments that are going into this sector with companies that are registered in the Middle East, especially in the UAE. And I think what Fahad mentioned about keeping relationships with them, it's all about being on that round table, being in that discussion table. And Daniel Santos and Fahad Lahbabi are on those tables, Um, myself, in the background and and I think the relationship is daily and weekly and things change so fast, so quickly and and you just saw this week with with some of the most trusted, I would say, tokens or companies, all of a sudden, 180 degrees and you're like, what the hell's going on? And so how can regulators feel comfortable that their current model works? You know, this this market is very, very very fluctuating and changes a lot. So, So we're comfortable with the regulators in the region doing the right thing. That's great. So before we get to some really exciting news, because we
2: are in Davos, and this is where all the the alpha does drop, I want to just talk about another part of mainstream adoption, which is partnerships and, and building bridges. We've seen that type of bridge building be paramount to the success of a number of projects in the space, creators creating with other creators, platforms that you wouldn't even think would play in the same sandbox, playing together. I'd love to know a little bit about your partnership strategy. What are some of the existing and forthcoming partnerships that you're
3: thinking about? So partnership in this world is important, right? If not, you are going nowhere. And what we are doing right now is partner with the metaverse, let's say, leaders that can make this a real thing. Because we visualize Wonkly as an interactive directory. In which you can enter and see all the brands you can see all the biggest players the influencers the metaverse the celebrities the games absolutely everything in an organized way but not also look you can interact with it but imagine you go into your profile and with your mobile you can scan your home you can scan your your room your bathroom wherever you want to scan and imagine When a user goes to your profile in our meta social network, they can just click and go inside your room and start talking with you. Then now imagine that you connect all these 3D scan rooms with the mobile, the 3D scan buildings, everything. That is how you create an interactive metaverse in which between the centralized social network, which is also a marketplace, you can interact on the front or interact on the back being the back the metaverse so i think a lot of things are happening and partnership is huge important we are also partnering with regulators so it's one of the biggest part we are doing uh, the um, advisory for regulators in abu dhabi in dubai in estonia in in several parties of the world and i think it's a huge thing finally so far I mean, um, as you mentioned, Daniel,
4: partnership is key in, in this business. We just came from Cannes. We were sponsoring the Global Gift Gala. We have access to 150 celebrities around the world. I think this is very important. They believe in our network. They believe in our platform that we're bringing to them. We're giving them an option of a way of giving back. That's part of the relationship that we have with them. So partnership is very key for us partnership is very important, and we keep expanding on that network, on that partnership. We are not shy from having discussions, from exploring the new opportunities to expand that platform. Just to add
5: one thing to the partnership levels. So for us as Wonkly, as AD Investment, as Oros, as a collaborative whole entity, because Daniel is part of all of those entities, we're part- we have different levels of partnership. There are strategic partnerships, there are investment partnerships, one will be announcing today. But um, so blockchain protocols is one of them. So we're dealing with a number of blockchain protocols that have given us incentives to push their product. They understand our usability exposure. We're dealing with industries. I can name two of them today, Bollywood and Hollywood, um, two big markets. India by itself, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not an expert, but 30% of blockchain users are in India. So, there are partnerships like that. There are partnerships from an investment perspective. And there are smaller partnerships that we're doing with NFT players. Um, HeroBase, which is the largest gaming guild in Brazil. Um, Voice of Sabia, which is the largest social media influencer in Brazil and number 10 YouTuber in the world. But, we're, yeah, on a very exclusive basis. But, Bonkly is a very inclusive platform. So, yes, we're using them to promote and do work with us but we're actually helping them get involved in NFTs. So they use they, their thought process is, if we have a partnership with Wonkly, not only can we help them, but they can help us get into the space and monetize what we're doing. And from a celebrity perspective, Danny will dig deeper, I guess, later on another time, we're helping them retain a way of making money and monetizing their brand and identity within a space they've never been exposed to, and, and I hope that comes out in the future where we're, we're, we're a platform for the people, you know? Yeah, absolutely, and um, I love how you guys have broken
2: down partnerships into all the different segments and, and really thinking about it very long term. You know, partnerships really means co-creation, right? So before we get to the big announcement, and again, everyone in the in the audience here, you're gonna wanna pay attention to this announcement in just uh, a minute or two, but uh, before we get to that announcement, I gotta ask, What's, what's the name all about? You know, a friend of mine had a, a venture, uh, Wonky, and we got Wonkly here. Uh, what's the genesis of this name, Wonkly?
3: I was high, super high. <laughs> so I don't know why. Yeah, it was like with one click, you win win money. So it's going to be Wonkly. And we did it. It's Wonkly.com. It's crazy. <laughs> That's great. I love the authenticity of that
2: response. All right, so <laughs> yeah, so, so look, we're in Davos. There's a lot of exciting announcements, and we have one here
3: today on the investment front. Let's, uh, let's hear it. The thing is the following. I, will, I want this project to be the leader worldwide, so I'm not working to create a second platform or third platform. It's a first platform, inshallah, is what we want to do. The objective is not to do normal collections, we are connected with the bollywood industry with movies real movies nft real music nft real podcast nft uh, real ticketing nft master tickets nft nfts that give you access to a hundred events and a lot of things that are not on the market so yeah hotel groups fractionalized hotel yeah like like share time but with nfts there are a lot of things going on but what was the question
0: uh, the,
6: the big on,
3: the big the big announcement so in this process we partner up and we are announcing now that i'm not the owner anymore of the of gonkli I was the majority holder i'm not anymore the majority holder of Gonkli because in order to conquer that dream, I knew I need to do that so right now one of the one billionaire from China, which is one of the most powerful people in Hollywood, connected with all the industry, is the new owner signs a few days ago. I don't know if you live in LA and you have been in LA for a few time, but the new owner it's called Mr Pink. And Mr Pink in LA, whoever knows who is him, it's a fucking legend. So right now, it's time to go to the next level. We partner up also with Fame in LA. It's our exclusive partner. They are the one that create the beginning of Kim Kardashian and all these kind of people. So this is about to fucking explode to another level. Thank you very much.
2: All right. That's really exciting. Um, Well, we've covered a lot of territory. I am curious if anyone in the audience has any burning questions they'd like to ask this illustrious panel before we adjourn um, and get back to our thought leadership, networking going on. Uh, some, yes, there's, there, w- yep, let me. Let's get you on the mic. Uh, come on over here. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, hi guys. Uh, thank you for our presentation. So short question. Uh, if you give back for token holders some amount of your revenue, yeah. are you created by this security
3: token? Good question. Really good question. All right. Good question. Thank you. Yeah, this, this has been one of the, the most important things because at the beginning I wanted to create a DAO, right? And then everyone told me, no, it's going to be a security. You are sharing the profit. So what we did is the following. We are not sharing the fees or sharing the profit. We collect the profit, we buy back our token with that profit and then we give back our token which is not money, it's our token. So now the ecosystem goes up because we buy back and we give the token to the user.
2: Thank you. That's a great question. Well guys, thank you so much for being with us today uh thank you guys for for coming and um wish you the very best with uh your journey from here
0: hey there ethan here again with edge of nft from davos we've got a impromptu interview uh, like you can have here at davos just with just some of the coolest people in the world and uh, today We're bringing you a Grammy Award-winning producer, Dre. And he's going to give a little bit more intro of himself, what he's been up to for the past couple decades, uh, establishing a really wonderful reputation, um, and just letting us have some context about him. So
7: go ahead. Well, you know, my name is D.R.E. Dre, half a cool and Dre, three-time Grammy Award-winning producers from Miami, Florida. You may have heard of us from uh, records like All the Way Up for Fat Joe. Hated to love it for 50 Cent in the game, rodeo for juvenile, too many hits to get into. I landed early this morning into Davos. It was a last minute thing, but I'm um, really excited about it because you know being in the music industry for over 20 years and seeing the way that the business of NFTs are moving in contrast to what I'm used to, it's just an exciting time. So, you know, I'm really excited to be here at Davos, really excited to meet people and um, speak more about NFTs. Cool and I, we have a, a record dropping with Fat Joe and Busta Rhymes, two good friends of ours. And um, it's an amazing song. So you guys look out for it. It's on Greed Music. And um, we're excited to get things going, man. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be
0: speaking with you. And, uh, you know, we got to know, know each other a little bit in the past maybe 20 minutes, Um Music is, is so close to my heart. I've been a pianist and played jazz, all sorts of styles throughout the years. You mentioned this briefly, but let's dive in a little bit deeper. You, you get a call from someone, you could say who it is, like, hey man, you gotta get it you gotta hightail it over to Davos. Yeah, you know, I wanna hear about that story, you know, what made you go like, nah man, I got stuff to do here, <laughs> right? Yeah, tell me about this kind of impromptu trip to Davos and what you expect to get get out of this.
7: Man, well my, my buddy Dustin hit me up and told me about all the things going on here at the World Economic Forum. And it's crazy because, you know, I'm familiar with this event, but he was just explaining to me that this year it was going to be a little bit different, going to do a lot of cryptocurrency, metaverse, NFT things. And, you know, Cool and I, we always try to be at the forefront of anything new, especially in technology. And we try to find a way, how can we bring that and merge that with what we're doing on the music side and you know the past couple of months you know just uh, I've been meeting a lot of people, especially through my friend Dustin, you know in this space, and the business moves so much quicker you know deals happen at a meeting you know what I mean and in my industry it doesn't work that way you know unfortunately, it still ran on 50 year old rules and a um, producer like myself you know. To be as acclaimed as, as me and Cool are, we still have issues with producer fees, which is like, should be the smallest thing. We all know about royalties and publishing and things like that. But when there's issue with producer fees, it makes you really, really look at the NFT space and the metaverse space as like the new frontier to do everything. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's live shows, whether it's releasing music, whether it's signing artists and putting out their music through that, creating a record company in the metaverse, you know what I'm saying? Using smart contracts. So, um, you know, I was really excited to come out here. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to everything that Davos has to offer. And I'm pretty sure when I leave out of here, I'm going to be walking away with a 100 billion
0: Excellent. Yeah, and it's so fascinating. Of course, to me, being in NFTs also, you know, very briefly, I mean, when you think of the grand scheme of things, March of 2021 was when we started our podcast. Of course, I had been, you know, aware of and watching the crypto space ever since its inception. But to hear somebody say, NFTs are important to me, and so I'm going to Davos is just a fascinating thing that's just ramped up over this, you know, past maybe 18 months, right? So, I would love to hear from you what's been your experience in hearing about NFTs and crypto probably percolating into how that applies to the music industry. Like where did this first come up? You know, what's been your journey in approaching it and getting to the point now where you're you're getting pretty deeply involved.
7: Yeah, well, I got a lot of friends at my studio. We we sign a lot of creatives. They're all young, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids. And they're in the things like Top Shot cards, like, you know what I'm saying? And those are the NFT things that they go crazy for. And when I started looking at it, I was like, oh, this is amazing, like, these are highlights that you guys are, you know, trading and whatnot. Another thing that I really thought was amazing about NFTs was that the creators kept a percentage of whatever they created as the NFT changed hands. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was really, really cool and it empowers the creative so as far as the music side is concerned you know this generation of artists they're coming up with an independent mind you know what i'm saying because of streaming because of you know TuneCore, soundcloud they're not going through the traditional ways to release their music they're just putting it up uploading it themselves and that's amazing and that's fantastic i think that nfts and the metaverse is the next step After that, because the music industry's already jumped on that wave. They're already snatching up these kids once they reach a certain amount of followers on social media and things like that. And, you know, another thing about the metaverse that I've been thinking about is just that during the pandemic, and we were all locked down, a lot of artists suffered because they weren't able to go out and perform. I'm a music producer and a songwriter, so I don't really need to go outside to create. I'm fortunate enough to have a studio and have a studio at my house, so I could create and just send emails out, you know, and get things done. It's kind of like a privilege <laughs> to have to stay at home and then just be there. Yeah, you know, we're homebodies anyway, we're, and if you're a songwriter or a producer, you're used to being inside either the studio or your home studio for 18 hours a day, right? But the artists really suffered because they couldn't go perform. So a friend put me on to the metaverse, and a lot of my, my friends at the studio, they, they're young. They got the goggles on. They're doing all kind of things. And I'm just like, yo, man, it would be crazy if I could see my favorite artist just perform and I throw the goggles on. And then I started thinking about the impact that would have on legacy artists. We were just joking about Cooling the Gang earlier. Well, you know, a lot of cool the Gang's fan base... They might not be able to leave their house, you know? They might not be able to move around like that. Maybe a lot of the venues are not accommodating a band like Cool and the Gang. They don't appreciate, you know, certain legends. But in the metaverse, Cool and the Gang can set up their own show, their own concert, and reach all their fans all over the world at one time. And God forbid we have another pandemic and we all get locked down again. I want to make sure that And Dre, we're already in the space, we're at the forefront. That way, we could be um, some of the creators that provide you know, I mean, a new way for you to uh, enjoy your favorite artists, you know, I'm saying, listen to your favorite music and and things of that nature.
0: Yeah, it's really great to be able to sit down here with you and and have this chat and see, you know, how things are percolating within the music industry. We've seen a lot of cool stuff um, when we talk about legacy artists and how they can get involved just i was one of our first interviews on edge nft was a one of project which had quincy jones backing it you know and that was just like all right quincy man you are just nailing it like forever right and so there's so much more opportunities to be built here and, and i love that you highlighted that so we'll wrap up here pretty soon but i want to get from you a little bit about this musical release that's coming out and this will there'll will be nft attached to it yes. or yes yeah. yeah that's exciting so this yeah. is kind of going to be your first foray and yeah. you know you just said oh well maybe let will do this Buster rhymes right yeah. <laughs> so that, that's really cool but just tell us about making that decision and pulling that together you know and uh you know i know the timelines could be a little loose on it but if you can give people a, a general sense of how to get involved that'd be great to hear awesome
7: so we have a record coming it's cool and dre featuring Buster rhymes and fat joe it's an nft What's really cool about the NFT is that there are like a hundred different versions of the actual song. So it's the actual record and then there's a version of just uh, Fat Joe Acapella. And then there's a version of Bus's Acapella. then there's a version of the instrumental. Then there's an instrumental with just Fat Joe. Then there's outtakes of where Joe's messing up his verse, like, yo, yo, pull that shit back, i fucked that line up. Like, so there's so many different versions of the song that's being NFT, you know what I mean? So I think just that alone is different than what we're, we're used to, to having. Yeah, I love that. And
0: I think about, okay, I think about how you could NFT every different track and then people can take those and they could remix them, right? And each one of them could have their own royalty stream, yes. really incredible stuff. I'm getting the signal we got to cut very soon, but, but uh, tell people where they can find out more about this, You know, participate in the drop, and uh, any follows that they should go to, social, stuff like that.
7: Make sure you follow us at coolanddre on Instagram. That's at C-O-O-L-A-N-D-D-R-E. Make sure you follow me at dreday3000 on Instagram. I had my friend make up the, I didn't want to do it, and he just made up the name, but it's at D-R-E-D-A-Y-3-0-0-0, go to coolandray.com and, um, you know, look out for all the things that we have going on, super exciting times, get involved, man, now's the time. Beautiful, and I'll be playing keys on your next record, right? That's
0: right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com. It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you D-gens who strive to shed the and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership, not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale, and model of yacht, as well as weather scale, model of yacht, or actual yacht.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Josh with Edge of NFT. I'm at the Ukraine house in Davos, and I'm really excited to to be next to a gentleman that's done a lot to help Ukraine, Nick. And um, I'd love for you to tell everyone who you are and what you do, your day job, and what compelled you to get involved in this incredibly
8: difficult time for Ukraine from a humanitarian perspective. I am from Kharkiv and I'm Ukrainian. And what compelled me to get involved is because we have a war and we have to win the war. So in the, my way, I'm helping by collecting funds to save lives in Ukraine. So I started a charity called Nova Ukraine and we have raised now more than 30 million dollars for food, medicine and refugees and rebuilding infrastructure in Ukraine. I also work at Google as a director of cybersecurity and Google knows about Nova Ukraine and they featured Nova Ukraine on their internal collection page and they've supported us publicly on Google blog. blogs. The CEO of Google mentioned of Ukraine, and we're very happy to have that support. That's really
2: amazing. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And can you talk a little bit about sort of the Web3 aspect in cryptocurrency? Obviously, Google is pushing the limits of what's possible with technology and you're involved in that and trust and safety. What has cryptocurrency
8: meant to the humanitarian efforts that have taken place? Very briefly, we started a cryptocurrency wallet for our charity, slash crypto And we've been able to collect millions of dollars there, a significant portion of the overall funds. So Web3- and cryptocurrency has helped us help Ukraine. We also used it to send money to Ukraine. Uh, So both in receiving funds and fundraising and to distributing funds to volunteers on the ground to buy food, to buy medicine, it has played a big part and we're very grateful for the technologies in blockchain. Thanks, and if people want to contribute and get involved, what can they do? They can go to our website, www.NovaUkraine.org. Look us up on social media and get involved. Tell people about what's going on in Ukraine, support Ukraine, put sanctions on Russia, stop this from going today. Thank you, Nick. My pleasure. Thank you.
2: Hi, this is Josh Krieger with Edge of NFT. I'm here with a special co-host for this interview, Jevin Fox, the CRO for AE Studio and our partner for Edge of AE, who some of you got to know at NFTLA and perhaps have heard some of the fun ads that we've done on the show.
9: Jevin just joined us in Switzerland. Uh, You arrived yesterday, right? Arrived yesterday. Took a beautiful train ride from Zurich to Davos. I didn't want it to end, although I, I did want to get here. And uh, yeah, happy to be here, happy to join you. Yeah, excited to
2: have you. And uh, Alex, it's great to, to meet you. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your company?
6: Absolutely, thank you guys for having me on the show. It's really exciting to be here. And, uh, my name is Alex Altman, I'm the co-founder and chief operating officer of Seal Storage Technology. Mm-hmm. We're a decentralized storage company built on top of Filecoin. We've really focused as a firm in commercializing decentralized storage. So there's a lot of different applications out there. and we're really focusing on, on two at the moment. The first one is bringing over different Web2 sources of data, large data sets, into the centralized ecosystem, so turning them into Web3. These things are academic institutions, research institutions, scientific institutions, bringing that data over and, and kind of creating that immutability and, and source of truth that they can use to do their type of work. And a byproduct of that is we've created this really amazing ingestion engine that's got an encryption layer on top of it. So what that means... and kind of centralized storage sense is we could take in tons of different data and encrypt it in a really really good way which lends itself really well to nfts um so looking at the nft market we're you know trying to essentially back up and create a a safe layer on the existing nfts out there and in hopes of uh helping to mature the market
2: cool so i'm wearing my edge of an empty hat and i think alex was cued in on that and wanted to make the conversation relevant so thank you alex for uh being on point with the name of our show but we can have a broader conversation as well and i guess my first question to you is this is my first year at davos this is your first year at davos obviously we knew we'd have really good cheese and really good bread but what compelled you to come to davos this year why now and 2022
6: yeah i think it's been a really long two years for everybody. But when you look at the maturity that's happened in the crypto industry and the overall blockchain industry since 2019, I think it's phenomenal in terms of the use cases and what type of projects are developed and just the overall global interest. Uh, So speaking to different uh, partners that we have, people like uh, Casper and Filecoin and a number of others who've got large presences here, as well as a lot of other different uh, Web3 companies, we thought it was a really good year to come and see what was going on, be part of the conversation and really just see where the industry was headed. Right on,
2: yeah, that's really cool, and I guess I'd like to learn more about some of the projects that you've been working on and some of the challenges that you think can be solved with uh, decentralized storage and web three and and where to focus. We've also talked a lot this week about where you may not need Web three technology, but focus is key, and, and there are some really great use cases, and
6: I'm sure you guys have have specialized in some as well. yeah. In terms of where I think decentralized storage fits today, there's a lot of different use cases that are applicable now. I think one of the really ones that's topical and I know as a conversation point outside of the crypto industry, but it's really big in Davos, is is misinformation. And I think what blockchain can do in that is is help establish this chain of custody of data that people could say, well, where did this fact come from? How is it being used? Is it being used in a correct way? And I think that's just become such an important topic in the last several years and this is an area that I think is really helpful that, that we can solve. And as well, I think you know, centralized storage lends itself to the, the maturation of, again, look at the NFTs portion uh, and actually helping the NFTs evolve from what we think of now, profile pictures, digital art, onto things of a more functional sense like legal documents and digital deeds and medical records, things like that. So there's these uh, nascent use cases like that where it's pushing along industries that really need some disruption, but there's also immediate applications like, like misinformation.
9: Yeah, that's really great. So it seems like, in some sense, it's a preservation of history, right? And I'm interested to learn a little bit more about some of the academic institution use cases and how large these file sets are. And yeah, it'd be great to know.
6: Sure. I mean, right now, um, a lot of it is public. We're we're in the med- like in the process of uploading a whole bunch of environmental data, and the value of that is, you know, you could create this initial set of data that's where you've got a a source, generally a a large academic institution, so you've got a trustworthy source at the end, and then people could look back at this data and say, okay, this is the person who put it up, and you can't really deny that, like, here's what this source was. In case, for whatever reason, people want to start to hide information at a later date, you can go back and be like, here's a trusted source, here's the information. So from an environmental perspective, I think that's really exciting, but we're also doing other sorts of data, like in the, I guess you call it the space industry, where people are finding out all sorts of different things about various astrological, discoveries in the most recent history so there's those types of things where it's a lot of different uh, cutting-edge industry uh, like cutting-edge research uh, and being able for people to to point to that and say this is where I based my research on and go forward basis people understand where the changes were and and when they're uploaded and when it comes to sizing you know it could be a data set as small as 500 terabytes it could be one data set we're working on right now is about 10 petabytes just to give you guys a bit of a reference it's 10 petabytes about 200 times the size of the netflix library
9: yeah, it's interesting. It seems like there's probably an educational component of it, right? When you're going and talking to some of these B2B customers, and what are those conversations like? What are some of the hurdles that you have to overcome, and what does an implementation look like?
6: Yeah, a lot of people we speak with at these types of institutions really are innovators. They themselves really understand the potential benefits of Web3 and the benefits of decentralized storage, and that's why they're so eager to try it out. Uh, but when it comes to you know, actually being able to publicize a lot of these things, you are dealing with... A lot of institutions that are at times hundreds of years old or you know thousands and thousands of people and we're dealing with a single pot of people within that that ecosystem so it's kind of being able to prove that like here's the benefits that we said there are and prove the innovators within these institutions right and moving through the, the motions there and when it comes to an actual deployment it's uh you know getting the data it's bringing the data across whatever different lines they have right moving large sums of data is really not very easy it's it's actually kind of crazy you think that you know, taking data into Web3 that's going to be this really innovative process. But at times, you literally just hire a truck. They show up, they plug into the data set, they drive over to you, and then you got to plug the truck back in again. So we're dealing, we've, we've actually used uh, FedEx or DHL to get drives sent to us, right? It's, it's this kind of old way of doing things. So it's, uh, it's an interesting hybrid.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to visualize the reality of such a, a high technology concept in, in the practical implement, implementation So healthcare, you didn't mention healthcare and medical records. I don't believe that's an interesting one with HIPAA and all the other sort of privacy regulations that are in place. And what are your thoughts on sort of the more, you know, intense regulatory environments like the healthcare industry and how decentralized storage fits into the mix and and how are you all sort of looking at those segments of the industry?
6: Yeah, I think when it comes to highly regulated items like that, particularly healthcare, but anything else, even GDPR in Europe, or I mentioned uh, legal documents before, there's a lot of different regulations that you have to adhere to, and different types of registrations that you need to do. So I think in order to do that, there's a number of different things that have to happen within the industry, particularly from a technological perspective. The technology still needs to mature a little bit for people to understand how we can use it, and where the applications are, but more so just it has to be easier to use, right? A lot of these institutions, medical institutions, don't tend to change particularly fast, and the technology they use is, is really outdated. However, I think decentralized storage um, and the broader Web3 ecosystem has a really great opportunity in the medical industry, and the reason for that is there's a lot of different times where it's difficult to access accurate medical records. A lot of the time it's on paper, it's on really old software, it's really highly protected, and that can have real-world consequences, right? If you don't get somebody's accurate medical records, you prescribe the wrong, the wrong drug or you do the wrong thing, you don't know they've had the right type of procedure, you could cause significant harm or, or even death to somebody. So, having a point of, you know, accurate, trustless information that can be easily accessible from a global perspective, is something that Web3 and decentralized storage can really add to the ecosystem, right? I mean, decentralized storage, what it what it really does is turn large-scale data sets or really any sort of type of data set and make that what essentially is a blockchain asset.
9: Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, the uh, the, the trustless component of it and Really trying to think about how that information is being accessed and and who's accessing it and having that transparency around it seems like a seems like a you know really great use case for pretty centralized storage of course and curious what's some of the biggest largest most exciting data sets uh, to you out there which ones do you want to go and tackle and and bring on to seal
2: I want to ask you that question too Jevin you guys are doing some really cool stuff at AE
6: yeah I mean, for us the way that the ecosystem works I and mean, we have the opportunity to go after all sorts of different data sets and I, I think the ones that we're going after right now are just they're really cool right it's all this kind of high science stuff when you let's get geeky <laughs> yeah i mean we're looking at you know dark matter neutrinos we're looking at particle physics environmental data all sorts of things like that where it's just this really cool experimental stuff and trying to figure out exactly what's you know the next phase of science even if some of this research ends up not being you know, true, the fact that people are doing it, and we're able to store that and facilitate it and, and let people analyze it from our systems is so important.
2: Yeah, so in a former life, I did uh, geospatial data analytics, working with 28 different federal agencies, and I got really into sort of the heat mapping data that's out there and, and all these interesting visualizations that can be done with data that people don't even realize. It gives you an entirely, entirely different perspective, and. I've been really impressed working with the AE Studio team with um, their breadth of analytical horsepower. They have over 30 data scientists, and I'm sure this is a, a topic where if your uh, data scientists was, were eavesdropping, they would be pretty excited about the conversation we're having.
9: Yeah, yeah, they like big data sets uh, as well, and I think you brought up something really prescient, by the way, which is not is the is the information or the research correct, but it's there, and it's something you know through an evolution that will continue to figure out what the truth may be, and taking that approach of you know being the provider who can who can bring the data on and make it accessible and enable people to you know kind of be educated. That's um, that's powerful stuff. And then, yeah, yeah, we, uh, we've been doing a lot of fun things. We partner with protocol apps, which really cool. Uh, this industry always continues to get smaller uh, every day. And we're about a 160-person team based in Los Angeles doing large uh, implementations on the Web3 side for Fortune 500 companies. And distributed storage, uh, surely, is a need and, and a requirement in some cases. So happy to make some introductions for you as well.
6: It'd be fantastic, we're always, uh, always around.
9: We love it. This is not the first time that
2: we've done some co-creation on the show live. And I think it shows people how uh, open and innovative this space is. And, you know, there's been incredible conversations in Davos that we've just had on the street, eating some sausage and some frites and, you know, enjoying this beautiful mountainous landscape that we're in. What have been some of the highlights for you? And and what are you looking forward to accomplishing while you're here this week?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think... Tavos has really just gotten started yesterday was quite exciting there was a lot of different panels and exciting speakers and, and events to go to and I think really just seeing all sorts of different people and getting, getting to meet a lot of people that I've spent years talking to at this point and you know I feel like I know really well and getting to speak to them in person I think it's been the most exciting part so far and I do think there's a lot of amazing people that are still arriving in the next couple of days in terms of what we're looking to accomplish it's it's really as i said, you know, see what's going on in the industry, see where our best fit is, meet like-minded people who are who are interested in getting involved in, in what we're doing.
2: That's great. And sort of taking a step back and talking a little bit about the NFT side of things, we'll get we'll get back to that. I'd love to hear, to hear your perspective on where we are in the maturity of the NFT market. People ask me this question all the time. And, you know, there's been bit of a, a slip in activity and a decline in some prices of course there's some projects that are holding value or even increasing in value and i'd like to tell people that it's much more than the projects that they're seeing on openc now that the building has just gotten started hopefully don't let that bias your perspective where, where do you fall out on this
6: yeah i absolutely agree i think nfts as it sits right now had a very interesting run in terms of being able to exemplify Technology and show off a use case and get people comfortable with the idea of using that, right? There's an, this initial hurdle in blockchain of what's a wallet? How do I buy things? What's gas? All these kind of different features that are unique and bespoke to, to blockchain. So I think NFTs did a fantastic job in its current form of, of showing that and kind of getting people there. I think there's still a lot of work to go to unlock really what the potential are for these things. At the end of the day, it's really you know digital providence, a digital piece of Individuality that you can move around and bo- truly belongs to, you but it's also some of the areas that I, I discussed before where there's, you know, changing over a, a deed to a house. There's no reason it has to be a physical piece of paper. It's just, say, your lawyer's office. It makes a lot more sense that it's an asset on the blockchain that can be easily transferred, that you can see the history of it, what were the prices, who were the previous owners, and you can easily move it from one custodian to the next, or, you know, even a will or just a, a basic contract, I think is where all the stuff is going to go. And I think that's really the potential. It's not quite as you know, sleek as some of these pieces of art and, and profile pictures that we have right now, but I think there's just a significant amount that you can do with this technology It just makes everyday life a little bit easier.
2: Yeah, I totally agree, and I guess a, a follow-up question there would be, in terms of the market of, of users and, and getting to mainstream adoption, what do you see as the sort of important Points that need to occur to broaden the number of folks with wallets and uh, increase adoption and use cases that are readily available or readily, um, you know, appreciated by, by a larger audience.
6: I think, at least at least for us and where we've been focusing, is trying to allow people to feel the benefits of Web three without needing need to actually deal with it. And that's where I've seen a lot of the, the most success in NFT projects are people who allow for payments with credit cards who don't necessarily actually need you to type in a wallet or have a certain functionality that people are, are used to. Right? Society doesn't change that fast and people don't necessarily love to learn how to change, but they're willing to try new things if it sort of relates to something they're comfortable with and they already understand. So I think people need to and, and projects need to be able to find a way to get people the, the value of that Web3 element. Uh, but make it accessible in such a way that they're comfortable to use it, right? I mean, the largest innovation, at least when it comes to the Internet in the last 20-some-odd years, has been cloud. The vast majority of people don't touch cloud, but at the same time, their lives are significantly impacted by that, and that's because of companies like Amazon, who've done a fantastic job in creating tools and making it so simple for people to develop on that we get all the benefits of that, but you know, we never really touch it. Very okay, cool. Well,
2: if folks want to learn more about you, Alex, and your company, how should they look for you on the internet and uh, stay in touch?
6: Yeah, our website is sealstorage.io. You can always email me at alex at sealstorage.io. We're always happy to field any questions about decentralized storage. We're actively working with NFT projects in terms of you know backing up and restoring. And, uh, yeah, always open to talking to anyone. Awesome. Thanks
2: for joining us today. I appreciate your time. everyone this is Josh we're at the uh, end of day one in Davos it's been an incredible day my feet are very tired but we're still going I am here with Marie Kazan in a very special location aesthetically but this is also the first year for a psychedelic house at Davos and I kind of wanted to ask you about the Genesis story uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how this all came to be yeah. So
10: yes, it is the first year of a medical psychedelics house of Davos um, and we're super proud to be able to bring this to this community. So I started working in the psychedelic space around four years ago and started a accelerator, incubator accelerator called Tabula Rasa Ventures and we've been connecting investors with entrepreneurs for many years of time. We built the world's largest psychedelics conference called Psyched and that kind of you know opened up the door for us to be able to come to Davos and bring policymakers, indigenous community members, investors, entrepreneurs, policymakers regulators researchers basically everyone that is contributing to the future of the psychedelics ecosystem and psychedelic assisted therapy that rollout specifically
2: that's really amazing and for our listeners at home who want to create a house in Davos for their important cause how does something like this come to be how much planning has gone into it how much It's a lot of work and a lot of logistics.
10: Yeah, don't do it for the listeners at home, don't do it. It's uh, we had to stop full time operations of uh, multiple projects to be able to execute on this. It's been about a year of trying to execute on it. I mean, like the you're basically doing a full conference in a country where you don't speak the language, where hot dogs cost a hundred bucks because everyone's a billionaire. It's just like an absolutely ludicrous place to really organize something logistically. Plus, you have to fly speakers out, cover laws and logistics of all of that as well. So, you know, it's a very difficult taxing endeavor. We're super happy to be able to deliver it to the Davos crowd and community, but yeah, going forward, we'll see how it continues to evolve and how our presence in, in Davos will change over the coming years. Still being able to provide some of the, these foundations, but also maybe um, taking a bit of a step back and not going as uh, intensely next year, but we'll see, we'll see.
2: Yeah, man, you're, you're bringing back uh, post-traumatic stress from uh, planning in FTLA, which we just, did which was about 3,600 people, 270 speakers, hundreds of sponsors and media. It, it was a lot. Yes. It was a lot. But actually, I had to take a vacation uh, the week prior to Davos to finally recover from right. UPLA. And I'm sure after you have a vacation, you'll you'll have a different perspective right. on, exactly. on all of this. But why this year? Why now? Um, what's different that sort of compelled you to do this? Yeah. So this year
10: is different because,
2: well, yeah,
10: the necessity for this this year, I think that Psychedelics have made the news in every measurable way. They've been headlining the New York Times multiple times in 2021. You know, Davos. It's not like we are, you know, hitting them, uh, you know, out of left field. I think Davos expected that at some point they would see a psychedelics house, and this was really, you know, the best year to be able to do it. We have the research. We have, you know, the the capital that's flowing into the sector. Um, we have a lot of the pieces in place to be able to actually bring psychedelics in a very high quality way to the Davos crowd and really highlight the tremendous strides that have. Been made in psychedelic research and psychedelic-assisted therapy,
2: and and is the sort of growing crisis around mental health is that also an impetus?
10: Yeah, of course. I mean, COVID, I think, threw so many individuals off, and yeah, has you know, we've we've kind of come to this reckoning of. Mental health is a humongous issue. It's a humongous issue worldwide. There's no one who's not, you know, uh, left affected, no matter where they are from geographically. And so it's something that we have to, you know, really approach today. Um, there's a quote that a friend mentioned. It's like you can't, you know, microdose yourself out of violence or out of poverty. Um, so there's only so much that psychedelics can really do to, to heal certain systems. But we believe that they are the best tool that we have by the research, by the numbers, to be able to heal things like. PTSD, depression, anxiety, or at least reduce those ailments uh, so substantially that people no longer meet the threshold for diagnosis.
2: Right on. And I know there's a lot of different components to your programming, but we are sort of the edge of NFT podcast and we're excited that you've invited us to tomorrow, which is really focused on, on NFTs. How does Web3 and NFTs fit into sort of this landscape in your mind and what's the potential that's unlocked there?
10: So I think it's a pretty large gradient. Um, there's a lot of really interesting Web3 projects. I mean, I think Web3 and NFTs are going to, in many ways, affect like every part of you know society and, and how we function. So will psychedelics in many ways. So there's a whole wide range of ways that uh, Web3 and NFTs specifically are being currently used um, in this landscape. One of them is um, there's a really incredible project called Ken A Life, which is helping indigenous communities be able to create cultural assets from the artwork that they're creating. And- making them into NFTs in the Peruvian Amazon. Um, And so these communities are actually able to financially support themselves by creating an entire kind of IP portfolio of cultural property with the artwork that they've been generating. So that's kind of like one side of things. We've also seen, you know, really interesting applications of decentralizing um, drug development or health systems. Um, So VitaDAO, PsyDAO, um, Molecule.to, those are all kind of projects working at this intersection of psychedelics or therapeutics, health systems, and web three. So there's a lot of different kind of uh, pieces there that are super interesting to just see the intersection of to the point where now the crypto psychedelic movement is something that's very real and has many followers. And that's really the focus of the the night tomorrow is, you know, how do these fields intersect and how do folks from the crypto space, especially or the web three space support the future of
2: psychedelic therapeutics. That's amazing. And those sound like really cool projects. I'd like to get the info on so we can share with our, our listeners but I guess the fundamental question, maybe this is like one of those chicken and egg questions, but does Web3 catalyze innovation for your mind in terms of medical um, psychedelics, or does, does it more amplify the existing community and programs that are already existing? I think, you know, depending
10: on what projects you're looking at, it can do both. Some just amplify what's already there, some kind of really help incubate innovation in the space um, and make certain things that weren't before possible possible. So, you know, Molecule, VitaDAO, um PsyDAO I think are doing things with Web3 that just haven't been possible in our current health systems. And so, yeah, you know, it's a, it's an innovation in technology, so there's a whole new world that's there to explore. But I also think that even just kind of plugging in the base components, you can see some amplification of the current things that are happening and, you know, just assistance um, to be able to roll them out faster or, or to, um, yeah, just see them come to fruition.
2: Cool, well what's what's in store tomorrow? What do we have to look forward to specifically? Yeah, so
10: we'll be discussing some of these projects. Um, We'll have multiple folks talking about kind of this intersection of crypto or Web3 and health or psychedelics. Another thing that we're really excited about is we'll be launching a uh, NFT collection or at least you know revealing kind of what we're working on and what we have been working on. Um, I published the first NFT of consciousness back in May of last year, which is basically me collecting EEG data. Since then I've collected hundreds of scans and created just a small mock-up site called Crypto Qualia. Qualia are states of consciousness. And so basically what I'm trying to demonstrate with this concept is that we can actually create NFTs, tradable assets out of our states of consciousness that then using neurofeedback technology, which is already widely available, we can actually replicate each other's brain states. So if you've ever wanted to meditate like the Dalai Lama, you can capture that brain state from the Dalai Lama with just very simple EEG technology. You can create an NFT out of that. You can sell that trade that, open source that, and someone can actually go put that on a screen, hook themselves up to an EEG, project their own brainwaves over the Dalai Lamas, and self-modulate to be able to achieve that same exact brainwave state and achieve the Dalai Lama's uh, state of consciousness. So that's really what we're trying to demonstrate is this you know, cool intersection of consciousness
2: and uh, the world of NFTs. Wow, I'm trying to take that all in. I don't really know where to go from here, but that sounds awesome. What's the project called? Uh crypto
10: qualia. So yeah, crypto and then qualia states of consciousness. So cryptoqualia.com is where people can go and just sign up and we'll be issuing releases. Nothing is live yet. We'll probably still need a couple months to really um get everything up and running. But the other incredible thing about this collection is that one of the utilities is being able to sit in psychedelic ceremony with one of the biggest psychedelic OGs, Dennis McKenna. And so if you've ever wanted to drink ayahuasca with Dennis McKenna, that is a part of the utility for this specific NFT. We'll only be releasing three over the next couple. Couple weeks and then have a collection of around 32 that we'll be releasing over the next couple years to be able to sit in ceremony either with Dennis or with other psychedelic pioneers um, that we're hoping to uh, really bring to the table as well and have them participate in this kind of discussion of NFTizing consciousness and what can be done here um, as we open source access to
2: um, our brain states well wow. I'm excited to learn more tomorrow uh, really appreciate you spending some time with us and if folks wanna stay in touch with you personally, are you on Twitter? LinkedIn?
10: Yeah, I'm trying to grow my Twitter, not the most active. All right, let, let's give this guy some Twitter love. What do we got going on there? Yeah, just Marie Kazan, M-A-R-I-K-H-A-Z-A-N. Um, yeah, feel free to follow me. And yeah, the more you like me, the more I'll put out. Um, so yeah, just uh, musings and uh, all the projects I'm working on, I'll, uh, I'll ping out there. So uh, yeah, please follow and looking forward to keeping up with everyone else as well. All right, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Josh, really appreciate it,
4: man.
0: All right. Well, we've been really privileged to talk to these world leaders here in Davos, Switzerland. Thanks for joining us on this journey. We have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks, everyone, for exploring with us. We've got space, though, for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends, recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. You can also come and participate in edgeofnft.com slash discord and get to know the community. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. And thanks for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.